It's time! Streaming live from Cleveland, Ohio! Presenting the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight podcast of the world! The Big Play! Vlog show. I'm Gabriella Cruz alongside Nick Padone. We've got Chris McNeil out here and got to give a shout out to Michael Bohm, our producer. Go ahead. Give yourself some love. <laughs> Happy Monday. We're just getting our, our uh, buttons working and everything. We've got a lot in store for you today. Before we get to our Labatt featured interview, uh, which we'll kick things off with, we're also going to be doing a little bit of who tweeted it is back this week. A fun one there. We're all going to guess who tweeted the tweet that we'll put on the screen. And after that, we're going to look at this week's games and bets, where we can break down all of the Cleveland sports headlines and odds, as always, presented by Tipico Sportsbook. We're going to finish up with a Jose Ramirez edition of Two Truths and a Lie. Just a, just a onesie. So we'll, we'll see how you guys do. But first, let's welcome, we've got in studio, we've got the beat reporter for the Browns at ESPN, Jake Trotter joins us hello what's going on gab how are you we're good how do you like our studio i do i do i actually wasn't scheduled to come on i had a flight i was going to catch and i saw you guys hanging out and so decided to stop on in you, you guys pack, have a good space though you packed light no no carry on I know, or right yeah <laughs> yeah that's how they do it though you know when you roll out of here like you know that your stuff is just waiting for you at your next destination already like i never see anybody rolling here you could probably find some fancy people walking by occasionally here here and there you know here and there. you included so we're pretty pumped to have you in a lot studio of old people too. <laughs> i can see that for sure and, and also that <laughs> just no coffee stand or pretzel stand outside otherwise you got you, you guys would have it set here we're really working, we're working on, on our on cafe it. idea we got an idea but the rest of it is kind of yeah, we don't want to say too much because we don't <laughs> want anyone to steal our amazing idea. <laughs> oh. But hey, Jake, let's let's talk a little Browns right off the get-go here, floating around on Twitter. Could we be seeing the Browns play in Columbus or what? So there's been a lot of stadium speculation in the last several months. You know, are they going to build a dome? Could they build a stadium where we're taping this uh, or where we're talking right now? Right, like you know, <laughs> somewhere on the uh, the, the lakefront. Uh, it was always going to be a stadium renovation. The question was, to what extent, you know, how much was it going to cost, and then what was going to be developed around it? And you guys know, like, by the, by the stadium, there's a missed opportunity for the city right now. You know, when you go to a game, there's really nowhere to go after a game. You know, you have to walk downtown. you got to go back to the Muni lot. Um, before a game, if you're not hanging out in the Muni lot, you got a long walk to go from where you're at. Uh, to get to the stadium, and you know this is a really cool area, and there's just not any place to hang out. So the idea that you would, in concert with the stadium renovation, develop uh, the lakefront make uh, lakefront makes a lot of sense. Um, 
But if you're going to do that, you know, are you going to if it's going to be extensive, you know, you can't play games there because there's going to be no way for people to get in and out with so much construction happening. And so then where and for how long do you play somewhere else? And I think that's going to be interesting. I, I don't really have a great answer for where that would be. Uh, you know, there's been some speculation. Columbus, the Haslam's obvi- obviously have, you know, connections there as owners of the Columbus Crew. Uh, could you play at the Crew Stadium? What does Crew Stadium seat? Twenty something thousand. Just over twenty thousand. Yeah, Lower dot com Field is just over twenty thousand down there for the Crew. And so that's not a lot of people. And it's you're far from Cleveland even though there are a lot of Browns fans there like Chris. That's right. On the other hand, you know, Ohio stadium, but with the, I don't know that Ohio state would go for that. You know, the, the, these big time college football programs, very particular with your, with their fields. So I'm not sure there would be a deal to be made there uh, unless Ohio state was getting something out of it. Uh, maybe you could schedule, you know, Ohio state plays a lot of home games. I don't know right. what their schedule is in 2026, but uh, you know, there's not going to be a lot of road weekends where you could facilitate that. So I don't know uh, what the answer is, but it is going to be interesting. And I think at the end of the day, first energy stadium, now Cleveland Brown Stadium, you know, they had to do something. You know, it's just not the most impressive stadium you see in the NFL. Uh, I don't experience this, but I know fans do where the, you know, the, the corridors are so narrow, you know, creates a lot of traffic. Uh, there's a lot of traffic going into the stadium because everybody comes in from the south side because there's no reason to come in from the north unless you have <laughs> media parking like me it's very easy for me to get in <laughs> right. everybody else has a hard time so uh gonna be interesting to see what they do uh let the speculation continue because we we've, we've been doing this for a few months now now what's the latest regarding like the stadium itself because we've heard like you said so many things of new stadium do you rip it down and start anew do you just try to modify what's currently there i'm also i feel like we have to put on the record team dome versus no dome you know you got the people that want to run the ball one million times and you know see it be cold and freezing and snowy you have other people that are like kind of like me a little bit of freeze babies and would like to be a little bit more warm little enjoyable what do you think they do with that i know right now it really is just all speculation well I, i'm from the south sorta and I tell you, that Christmas Eve game. So are you yeah. team, team Dome? I was yeah. like, sign Come me on. up for Team Dome after that. Now, <laughs> I, that's the coldest I've ever been in my life. I didn't even know how they played a, a, a game that day. And I don't know how the Browns threw the ball 30-something times that day either, given how cold it was. A dome is not realistic. There's just not enough money on the table right now, unless there's something I don't know that, that's changed in the last few days. Uh, so it's going to probably be not a dome. If you had a dome... You could maybe maybe you could host the Super Bowl, uh, WrestleManias. I, concerts. I I don't know enough about this, but I don't know that the hotel space is mm-hmm. at the level it would need to be to host the 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 kind of events that uh, people have talked about. I don't know how you can host a political you know convention and have enough hotel space for that, but not hey, for we, yeah. a Super Bowl or like a Final Four. Um, but that's the way I understand it. So. If you're not going to get like every major event, it really becomes difficult to justify the cost of a dome as much as we would all like to have it. Uh, so then you're looking at, you know, I, they're not going to build a new stadium. I don't know that they raised that one to the ground completely, um, but I do think there's going to be a significant renovation to it. I think that's where things stand. Uh, that's where things have stood for a while. And I think that's where we're headed Again, it's just a question of, okay, you're going to renovate the stadium. 
I keep trying to call it First Energy Stadium. They're going to renovate the stadium. What does that look like? What is it going to be? For sure. <laughs> I was just looking online for some of the capacities, too. You could go over there at Tom Benson Stadium, which is, of course, the Hall of Fame. That's got 23,000 if they went there. We talked about Lower.com. 20,000. Of course, the horseshoe is going to be over 100,000. And I was looking at even high schools in the state, and there was nothing that goes over really 10,000. So uh, there's, their options are kind of limited there. It'll be interesting to see what the Browns end up doing. Knowing the Haslam's, I think that they will, would want to keep it in their control, which is why I would probably favor the crew stadium. Now, if we're talking three years, you know, that's a long time to be at a pretty diminished capacity. If it's yeah. one year, you know, I think you could get away with it. That crew stadium is nice for people that have never been there before. I mean, it's nice. It's Very nice. it's brand new, so they might as well do something with it. I mean, there's only how many home soccer games a year, so it's not like they're getting a ton of use out of that anyway. So you could definitely throw something in there. I wonder what the precedent is for NFL teams playing at college stadiums. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I know we were talking about Bears. The Bears, I believe, played at Minnesota. Or was it Minnesota played at Minnesota? One of those two teams played, I because thought. Because their stadium is new. Did they play with the, the – so the other one that I was thinking of was L.A., but they played at the soccer stadium. Yeah. Which uh, not the well, not the Galaxy, but the uh, yeah, what was it? Boom, LAFC. LAFC, yeah. So they played there where they were they were building that that new the SoFi in um, I believe it's Inglewood, which is gorgeous, which is like a you know unbelievable stadium, uh, you know almost a concert venue more than a football stadium. But yeah, there's not a lot of I think precedent for what teams do when they're in this situation because. Usually you are building a new stadium and then when you're, you know, when that stadium is ready, you move. Uh, we don't have a lot of like major stadium renovations in football. No. Here you go. Here is the Bears. It was 2002. The Chicago played, the Chicago Bears played all of their home games, eight regular season and two exhibition games at Memorial Stadium on the University of Illinois campus. Okay. Minnesota. So they played at U of I. So that has happened a little bit there. Yeah. Like, over 20 years ago, though. And you advise <laughs> they're not Ohio State. Right. No, no, not at Ohio State there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Ohio State would. Do you think that the that, that Ohio Stadium could. Do you think the Browns would sell out that many tickets at Ohio Stadium? Boy, maybe once. And if they're good. <laughs> the opener. Yeah, they, they'd it's be the opener of... and it'd be the novelty of it, you would think. That would kind of drive those tickets up. But right. I mean, that's a lot. That was the problem with Old Municipal toward the end. It was it was so big. It was tough to sell out. So they were having a rough time. Uh, not only was it a dump, but it also <laughs> was just big. So and the difference now tough. is you that the, for the, Olympics. the experience of watching a game on TV is so much better than it, yeah. it's ever been. It's harder to get people to come to games in, in any sport. Well, unless you're from Cleveland, because we are just a little bit off our rocker. Like True, you said, fair point. Yeah. Christmas Eve game, it was right. freezing, <laughs> and there they, were people there with their shirts off. There were like 5,000 people at that game, and I thought it was 5,000 too many. I could not believe it. Hey, Jake, let's talk about um, some of the Browns' free agent pickups. Do you think that uh, – who do you think will have one of the bigger impacts this season? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody that they've picked up, uh, notably defensively, could have a big impact. Uh, you know, I covered Oboe when he was at Oklahoma, and, you know, what I really liked about him, he's a good locker room guy, uh, you know, first of all, but he got better every year. 
And then it's been the same thing in the NFL. He's gotten better every year. And, you know, he was a good, I don't want to say buy low candidate uh, in free agency, but a guy that I think it, you are buying stock on thinking he is just ready, getting ready to uh, hit his stride. Um, so, uh, you know, you look at the, the the analytics, his pass rush win rate, the double teams that he faced, uh, and there's a lot to like there uh, because he really got after the quarterback, even though the sack numbers weren't super high, despite facing almost as many double teams as Miles Garrett did with the Texans. So he's going to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities. Uh, is he an every-down defensive in? Like, we'll find out. Um, but I, I definitely thought that that was a good value. Had to sign somebody at defensive tackle. Dalvin Tomlinson's going to be far better than anybody they had last year. You know, Perry on Winfrey's status, again, is Jeez. sort of up in the air. Uh, so that position, you know, is is a big concern even after Tomlinson. Um, but that's a guy that, you know, he might not be a superstar, but he's going to be a solid player in the middle uh, for a run defense that was just, we all know, it was just terrible last year. And then I think Juan Thornhill at safety, you know, he's going to make some plays. Uh, you know, he, he is a ball hawker. He's got some speed back there. And, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a different dynamic than what we've seen out of the Brown safety position in the past and probably a better compliment to Grant Delpit, uh, who I think could have a big year uh, the way he surged uh, late last season after that rough start. So I think all three guys defensively could have substantial impacts. And then Elijah Moore, uh, you know, he had a terrible season last year. You know, they had quarterback drama. Uh, you know, they, they were, uh, you know, they were up and down offensively uh, and he never really got going. But if you look at his rookie stats, he gives the Browns exactly what they need. A guy that can separate because as good as the Browns receivers were last year, they don't separate. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, every catch he makes is in traffic. Uh, you know, Mari Cooper's getting older. Elijah Moore gives them what they need, uh, which is a downfield threat uh, out of the slot. So I, I think that they had a terrific free agency period and, I think they made upgrades across the board. Having said that, what's the biggest position group you see them trying to upgrade in the draft? Well, I think the moves that they made in free agency have given them the opportunity to be a little bit more selective. So like in 2020, we knew they were taking a left tackle, right? We knew it was going to be Andrew Thomas or Mekhi Becton or Tristan Wirfs or, or Jed Wills, who they ended up with because the need was so great there. Uh, after the, the struggles they had protected in the passer in 2019. You know, I think defensive tackle, defensive end is still a position that needs to be probably addressed. Uh, you know, you, you, linebacker probably is a position that uh, you could add some more depth to. So I think anywhere on the front seven uh, would be the position to watch. But, you know, if, if they took a receiver in, in round three that they really like, if they took a you know, a running back that they feel like that can be a weapon, particularly catching passes. Uh, you know, we've seen them take corners over and over again because in the AFC with all the quarterbacks, you need a lot of corners. Uh, I, I would not be surprised in any direction they go um, because of what they did in free agency, I think is given them the luxury to just take the best player on the board and given how, how few draft picks this franchise has going forward, um, you know, they've got to add talent wherever they can get it. And, you know, with with the whole Perion situation, do you have any insight on what could be going on there? I know they kind of kept everything sort of under wraps after they released that statement. Um, is that a guy that fans could expect to have available on the field week one, or is it really just one big giant question mark at this point? I think it's a question mark. I mean, there were a lot of issues with Perion last year, and mm -hmm. this is just another. So, yeah. 
Um, I mean, he fell off a scooter. Yeah, and there was there was stuff in the locker room. You know, he was people forget he was suspended. Yep. Uh, was that week two against the Jets for, you know, just kind of nonsense stuff? So I mean, you know, guys that get drafted by this franchise, they get a lot of leeway, but he's run out of he's run out of room. He's run out of leash for sure. Definitely. Another position that I wanted to ask you about, and you hit on it for a second there, is that running back position. Uh, if, say in, in a hypothetical world, they draft a running back early, maybe not their first pick, but early, uh, just call it day two. Is that kind of the beginning of maybe writing on the wall for what's to come for Nick Chubb? Well, I, you know, they will, they will say that we're not moving on from Nick Chubb. He's still a big part of the offense. I don't think who they draft would be that signal. I think the quarterback trade they made last year mm-hmm. was that signal. I mean, this team is moving toward being a passing offense with four wide receivers on the field. And you can still have Nick Chubb, and he can still do a lot of damage. He's a fabulous player. But, I mean, we've seen you know teams get to the yeah. Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl and make deep runs in the playoffs without getting a lot from the running back position or using a by committee at that position. I think you could... Win with Nick Chubb, obviously. You know, you're better with Nick Chubb than without, but it becomes an allocation of resources issue. You're paying Deshaun Watson $230 million fully guaranteed. His cap hit is going to be, you know, astronomical relative to the league uh, going forward, starting, uh, you know, next year. So starting this year, I should say, this season. And so, you know, at some point it gets difficult to pay uh, Nick Chubb. And I I don't think that they're going to trade him. Um... And I'm not, I don't think they're necessarily going to trade him next year, but are they going to resign him? Uh, I think that gets kind of tough. I mean, yeah. you're just, would you rather sign a receiver for Deshaun Watson or a running back who doesn't catch the ball? You know, that's the one thing Nick Chubb doesn't do. He doesn't really, uh, you know, make plays out of the backfield. He can catch a screen pass here and there, but he, even last year, he wasn't as good as Kareem Hunt out of the backfield, even despite the fact that Kareem really had a down year kind mm-hmm. of across the board. Did you see Nick Chubb's really fiery Instagram caption the other day? I did not. I Feeling missed that. Feeling himself. He was like, I don't know, just something. I'm the best. It's just funny because he doesn't say much, but when he does, he's like, we have heard you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whenever you see those uh, those Batman uh, memes on Instagram, usually he would he, he, he balls out after that. Yeah. You mentioned upgrading talent, and when you're looking at the draft, are there any guys you have your eye on? Not in the third round. I mean, ha- you, who knows who's going to be there in the third round? You know, I can mm-hmm. tell you if they had the 15th overall pick, we could discuss like possible options. I got no idea. Come on, Jake. I you haven't you. fired up your PFF seventy four overall. Twitter, Twitter knows. Come, Come on. on, they haven't given you your. I'm grade. so look. We, we, ESPN's got like a mock draft coming out. I'm sitting that one out. Uh, I, I had to tape like a uh, bobblehead for it, like acting like I was going to make a pick for the for the show, but I'm not actually making a pick because they <laughs> they have zero chance of trading into the first round. And and quite frankly, I don't know that they could really trade into the second. I mean, they would have to make a pretty significant package to trade to move up. So, I mean, it, I don't even think they know who's going to be there in the third round. Yeah. You know, you just kind of have to wait and see how the draft goes. You know, maybe there's a run on wide receivers or maybe there's a run on quarterbacks. Uh, you, know, you just don't know. Uh, you have to have a lot of contingency plans. And uh, I'm just not going to waste that much time <laughs> working on something that, like, is probably going to be wrong anyway. Fair enough. 
Come on, this linebacker that I saw out of. Yeah, right. <laughs> he should be there. ESPN has a lot of great seven-round mock drafts. You can go check them out and see uh, how it shakes out for the Browns. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, another thing that's popping up soon, and it's just something that's going to continually have to be talked about, is the Deshaun Watson civil cases. Uh, that's getting ready to pop up again. It, that shouldn't cause any distraction or really any setback this time through, correct? Unless, unless we're missing something glaring here well the the nfl suspension uh applied to those two civil cases so it's not as if he loses the civil case it's going to result in another suspension i wouldn't think unless there's something that comes out that uh you know people don't foresee but uh one you know the the, the one uh civil case uh that you know uh, is being represented by tony busby who represented uh, you know, two dozen of the other women who uh, accused Deshaun Watson of misconduct and sexual assault. Um, you know, that that case, uh, as Tony Busby has said, is is his plan is to take it to trial mm -hmm. and, you know, actually file a motion uh, last week reiterating the demand for a jury trial. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the other civil case, the, you know, they're just now trying to take depositions. So we're kind of not as far along on that one. I'm not sure if that would go to trial this year if it gets that far. I would say the, the the former is more likely to result in an actual civil trial, mm. uh, which would, you know, we have all the information, all the accusations, all the uh, depositions, the, the witnesses, the text messages. So this idea that this is over, it's not over, but I don't think that those two cases would result in any other, uh, you know, uh, punitive action against Watson in terms of uh, playing games on the field. Always something. Where's Chris? I, I'm right here. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I was going to Jake, how long have you now covered the Browns? I was just trying to <laughs> mentally figure that 37 out. 37 years, it feels like. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. I, I uh, you know, after the 2019 season, which okay. is underrated in terms of its dysfunction and bizarreness. It's insane. <laughs> That's my favorite season. I told other people that covered this. I was like, this, there will never be another Brown season like this. I mean, you got like your starting safety, biggest game the Browns had played in years, and he's mad because. Uh, you know, they don't have heaters on the field for Thanksgiving practice. Um, and then he doesn't go to Pittsburgh because uh, he leaves practice and they don't know what happened to him. And then and then they get beat by Duck Hodges, I believe, was the quarterback <laughs> in that game, yeah. which basically eliminated all but eliminated them from the, the playoff conversation. I mean, there were things like that happening every week. I mean, I had people in the organization be like. We know something's going to happen. We don't know what it is, but we're, we know it's going to be something bizarre. <laughs> Freddie wore the I mean, T-shirt. I mean, people, you know, you remember the Miles Garrett helmet swing for that Thursday night football game. People completely forget that the Browns cut a starting wide receiver about an hour that and a day. half before kickoff that day. <laughs> Antonio Callaway. Like, nobody remembers that because, no, you know, right. the helmet swing overshadowed everything for, for, for obvious reasons. Uh, that season was to me, I thought insane. <laughs> Helmet sing, swing was 2019. Yeah. Oh and wow. I, and I and I had people being like, you, "You've not been here very long." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I really don't think there will be another season like." And I, I tell you, every season has been more bizarre than, than that one since. Wow. So it feels oh. like a long time, but it is. Been, I've covered four seasons of Browns football and. Each season has been its own gem. All right. That's the common denominator. So, so ha has it been, as you talk to people, is it more bizarre than you expected? Oh, is it right yeah, on par? Because you kind of warned you. I, I remember never these early conversations. <laughs> I, I could have never imagined it would be this bizarre. I mean, uh, 
you know, I, I've now outlasted Baker Mayfield here by what, like a year and a half? Yeah. Um, Odell Beckham by uh, two years almost. Uh, you know, they both got here right uh, right before I did. Uh, you know, multiple general managers, multiple head coaches, multiple offense and defensive coordinators. I haven't been there this long. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and uh, a lot of crazy events uh, that have happened. So uh, it's been, it, yeah, I wouldn't have predicted uh, any of what I have covered and seen. And uh, we're not even talking about the stories I haven't brought up that I know about that, you know, we're not going to talk about here. But it's been <laughs> wild, the wild four years. So you got a book coming out anytime I soon? I could write a book. I, I could definitely write a book. There is no question. It'd be up there yes. on the bestsellers list. It yeah. would be up there because there is some just crazy stuff. God. Is there one story in particular that you just stands out that you say, I just cannot believe that that happened? Uh, oh, boy. One that's out there already? Let me think for a second. Um or one that's not. That would be even better, candidly, Jay. Yeah, I can't. I can't. He I don't want can. to get myself and other people in trouble. <laughs> I do. Come on. I know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I really, I go back. Like, it was funny. Like, 2020 was, like, the one good season they had. And, like, we weren't even around. Yeah. You know? Right. Everything Zoom. was on Zoom. I was teaching yeah. kindergarten, basically, that year. Because all my kids were, you know, home from school. Oh. Uh, so, even the one good year was bizarre in in its own way because of uh because of the uh the, the pandemic i mean i i i think that the uh 2019 is underrated in terms of how bizarre and i think it encapsulates i mean you basically had like almost two front offices operating yeah. independent of one another you had the analytics wing with paul de podesta you had the scouting wing old school scouting wing with John Dorsey, and I don't think those two wings, at least at the top, got along very well. And I was like, is this how most NFL teams operate? Uh, it certainly wasn't the case. Um, and they've at least gotten aligned since then. Uh, but uh, that was very strange. I was like, what is going on? And there was, you know, I don't know that Todd Munkin and Baker Mayfield got along so well. And that was weird because, you know, he is the offensive coordinator. And it was a uh, just a very strange scene right off the gate. I mean, my very first minicamp, my, I, I, I hadn't even moved yet. I flew in to cover minicamp that year, Chris. And I had, uh, you know, I just talked to Baker for a second. I hadn't seen him in, you know, a year or two years. And, um, hey, I'm covering the team. And and then he, like, just he uh, throws Duke Johnson under the bus. Because <laughs> remember, Duke Johnson had requested a trade because of yeah. the trade they had made. Uh, oh, by the way, the same thing would happen to Baker Mayfield a couple years later. Um, and I, I was like, I don't even know what, what's going on. I had to go like <laughs> read about Duke Johnson. I'm like, I don't even know who Duke Johnson, what really was at the time. Or, I was, I was, uh, oh man. And then that, oh boy, I don't know if I should tell this story. Uh, that same day, I'll t I'm not going to name names, but I'll, I will tell the story. So my very first day, this is my very first day on the beat. And I didn't know any, anybody who covered the team. I didn't know anybody who worked for the team. Uh, the only person I knew in the building really was Baker Mayfield, oddly <laughs> enough. And so, uh, you know, they were showing me around. They were very nice, uh, you know, Browns PR, and they gave me a seat. Um, here, you can sit here in the media workroom. And so I'm sitting down, writing, trying to figure out, like, what just happened with Duke Johnson. I got to send this into the news desk. I wasn't planning on writing a news story today. 
And it's hard to write a news story when you don't actually know the news at all. You know, I'm like trying to, you know, read old stories about Duke, what what did Duke Johnson say in January? And who did who did they trade for? Oh, oh Kareem yeah. Hunt. And uh, and then there's this old there's a reporter who's been here for a while taps me on the shoulder. He's like, "You're in my seat." Oh no. And I said, "Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. You know, I they you know I just they just told me to sit down here, but." Give me a second to, to finish it up, and I'll go, I'll go find another seat. No problem. No, I need you to move now. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? This so is much for insane. the Midwest hospitality. No hospitality <laughs> in that media room whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I went to the back and finished the story, and I was like, uh, I remember calling my wife. I was like, this is a really weird scene here, but uh, it's worked out. It's all right. Yeah. I can imagine trying to cover the Browns. It's like walking into a Netflix series right in the middle. And right there, <laughs> right. Can, That's a who is analogy. this character? What's the backstory on this character? You're going back to older seasons, trying to figure out what's going yeah. on. It's tough. I remember Ben Axelrod. You guys know Ben. Uh, sure. like, hey, come sure. sit by me. It's okay. He saw, he was like the only person that saw this happen. And he was like, <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's cool. You made a friend. Yeah. Before. Yeah. I always, <laughs> always appreciate Ben for uh, getting my back on that. But that was, that was wild. I was yeah. like, listen, I, I'm going to be done in five minutes. Just All right. So we're looking forward to the book. Move now. <laughs> Move. All right. All right. One, one more right. question on the audience. That was, a, that was a sign of things to come, I think. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. How about, how about when Baker Mayfield exited and you had Deshaun Watson come in? I mean, it didn't, it wasn't was, that seamless. There was like a three month, uh, right. <laughs> three months where they were both on the roster. Yeah. But go ahead. How Chris. did you find out the news of Deshaun Watson? How did that all come down? Like everybody else, um, I, I, you, you talking about when Baker was traded or when Deshaun Watson got traded here? When Deshaun Watson ultimately got traded here, so, I know you probably found out like everyone else from my feed, but yeah, outside so I, of that, I know some people that work at uh, you know the other the organizations that were in for Watson, and we were kind of like just texting about it, and um, you know, I was I was like, okay, well, that's not happening. The Browns are out of the running. Uh, and, and then I saw Schefter's tweet and I was like, is this real? Uh, is this a real Schefter? Um, and I, I know that there are some people in the Browns organization that found out the same way, particularly coaching staff. Uh, wow. you know, it just kind of came out of nowhere and blindsided everybody. Cause I don't think any of us were speculating that they were still in the running. And I, I know, you know, Andrew Barry was walking around the building, you know, telling people we got him, we got him as, as the news from, Schefter, uh, and, and, you know, I assume there were other, a couple other reporters that had it as well, uh, you know, put that out there. So I was just like, my life is getting ready to change significantly here in the next year. And sure enough, it, it, it did. Dang. I remember even the tweet about Deshaun Watson um, from Schefter, like the wording of it was like in a stunning turn of events. Like I think even Schefter probably as he was typing that up was probably like, what is going on? Here? Yeah, it was, it was stunning. I think, I think I was, uh, I think I was going to meet up with like Nathan Zagura and Jason Gibbs. We were just going to talk about, you know, all the drama of that week. Cause remember, you know, Baker had Requested sent out his goodbye yeah. letter and you had the adult in the room comment. And we were talking, our, we were in here talking ourselves into Jimmy G and Marcus Mariota. There was like four or five of us. We were going to meet up and just like, you know, go, you know, just kind of, uh, been about the week and then i i texted those guys i can't, i gotta go do tv like in five minutes i'm out wow. so it was uh it was stunning i mean but i i did find out like 
everybody else. And, and I, and there were people in the Browns that found out just like everybody else. I mean, it was that out of nowhere for, for, for everyone. It seemed like. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. I can only imagine imagine your life trying to cover the (laughs) Cleveland Browns. I mean, I'm kind of used to it now. Like there are things that don't stun me as much, but that first year I was so naive, man. I was not ready (laughs) at all. Welcome to our circus. I know, right? (laughs) Well, anybody else got any questions for Jake? I'm good. That was fine. We thank you for your time. One one more quick question. You know, there are some fans who are kind of under their breath saying, hey, you know, the Haslam's now go out and get a minority interest in the, in the Milwaukee box. Uh, they've always had interests, you know, in different sports teams outside of Ohio. Uh, does that, does that affect anything as far as their ownership of the Cleveland Browns? I don't think so. I mean, as long as they're willing to spend money, which they have proven that they are willing to do, I I don't think that it is going to have a significant impact. I mean, if they decided, you know, we're, we're actually want to become NBA owners. We're not so interested in our NFL team. That might be different, but I, I don't think it's really going to have any impact at all. Um, because as long as they are, uh, you know, writing those checks, uh, then, then the, the Browns should be in pretty good shape in terms of what the owners can do for the team. So I, I don't, I wouldn't stress out about it at all. And who knows, maybe, you know, maybe uh, Giannis will end up in Cleveland at some point as a result of all this. Whoa. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's going out on Twitter immediately. <laughs> I, uh, by the way, last time I did this show, you guys uh, will tweet out quotes like over the course of the week or right. two weeks. I'm like, why am I getting attacked out of nowhere? What, oh, what is this we, about? And I'm like, oh, you, quote, you, you, you uh, tweeted out a quote from like the week before. I was like, oh, ref log again. <laughs> Reef log. Come on. Reef log. I'm sorry. Reflog. Oh no, we got you attacked from a quote we clipped off. No, no, no. That's it's fine. All right. It's yeah. Twitter. But I, I, I was like, what? What He's is this from? Oh, it was two weeks ago. ago. <laughs> Reflog is still uh, hammering them out. Now, now, to be fair, you don't get much crap on Twitter, do you? I mean, relative <laughs> to some of your peers, I, th- I think they're I, pretty. I good think it, it increased in the last year significantly. I would huh. say you yeah. guys get bullied, and I kind of think it's it. like a longevity thing, though. Like the longer you're around, for sure, people get comfortable. For sure, yeah. I don't. I don't know of a whole lot of fans. Yeah, I. I don't see much uh, either. After no. you, I see a lot after. I mean, others. Yeah. <laughs> there was this narrative out there that I was upset that the Browns moved on from Baker Mayfield, which is the opposite. Like I was ready for it to be done. I had had enough. Well, everybody associates you guys together. Like right. that's that was the thinking. Is like Jake Trotter was brought in because of Baker Mayfield. I'm sure you've heard that narrative, and I think that was the assumption from all the fans. Yeah, and I there is some truth to that. Like, you know, I covered Baker in college. I'd also covered Patrick Mahomes and, uh, you know, a lot of other guys who played in that part of the country. Um, you could have been in Kansas Jaylen, City. You could yeah. have been somewhere else. Yeah, right. But, you, you know, at the, at the time, the Browns were an up-and-coming team. Remember 2019? Yeah. Uh, and so it was, it was a big opportunity uh, for me. But the idea that, like, I would move to Carolina or that I was upset that after – I mean, I'd had enough. I think we'd all had enough, right? It was a lot. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, the, uh, the Odell-Baker split, I mean, it just, I could not envision, like, I talked to people on the team. I was like, I could not imagine that they were actually going to head into the 2022 season with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. I just, like, I could not wrap my head around it uh, that they were going to be able to repair everything. So, um, yeah, you know, they traded in one uh situation for another but uh the idea i was upset that they moved on from baker like i was 
You know, it was enough. We'd all had enough. He would eat had enough. I okay, I think I have one more, actually. Okay, we keep ahead. lying with the one more. Have you talked to him since? He doesn't hate us, right? Like, he doesn't hate Cleveland. I mean, is, oh, again, Nick, uh, who cares if he hates us now? Chris, I mean, wow. come on. Baker think- did give us a lot of good moments. And I think that, like Jake said, you know, that we were all ready for it to be done. I think now, like, especially because he's been on Carolina, he's been on the Rams, now he's with Tampa Bay. Like, I think it's time to stop burying Baker. Anytime. I get the sense that the majority of Browns fans hate Baker at this point. Do you think I th- that's I true? I think a lot of people do, and I think that's wrong. Like, I was in Baker's camp for a long time, like a lot of people, then sick of him for a long time, like a lot of people. But now I'm like, I feel like we, like, let's stop punching down on the dude. You know, like, it's over. He's an ex we've forgotten about. I think for, for most, like, I'm pulling wow. for him. Why not? He's in the know. NFC. Nick he's wants on the to Bucks. send him that text. <laughs> no, I just I hope that he's not you, mad at us, and I like hope that scorn girlfriend. <laughs> I know, I, I don't, I don't miss him. That's for sure. But like, I just I mean, wish... he did deliver some big moments. Yeah, yeah, him. that's what I'm I mean, saying. The, I mean, the Bud Light game, uh, the Thursday night game yeah. against the Jets, the Bud Light Fridge game was huge for Cleveland. I yeah. mean, I. I remember uh, watching that game. I think I was traveling somewhere uh, covering college football.